Hello, everybody. It is Kirk Henderson once again for a, another episode of Mavs Moneyball After Dark. Um, it's mostly dark here on the East Coast, even though it's 4.45 in the afternoon. I am joined today by my good friend, friend of the program, Ben Collins of NBC News. Everybody else was uh, kind of taking an afternoon off. These day games are weird. How you doing, Ben? Good. I'm glad that I could be the last possible resort for this wonderful, yeah. perfect podcast. Well, you were, you were the first person tweeting on my timeline. That was really, That's true. That was really what got me going. So, you know, we're here. We're joining you guys after the Mavericks just absolutely beat the pants off the New Orleans Pelicans 130 to 84. I recapped the game. I started writing the recap in the second quarter, and I had no idea that the Mavericks were going to do what they did in the third. So uh, why don't you talk to me about what you think were the highlights of the game? What were the, the things you enjoyed the most? Um, I think it's boring to talk about how great Luca is because he's uh, the greatest player maybe in the <laughs> NBA right now. <laughs> it really is. But, I mean, it's it really is, unfortunately, what I'd probably start with, he just really extremely casually took over the game, mm-hmm. and then it was just over with. That's all it was. And the other thing is, I think maybe he, like, dislocated his finger or something happened to his hand, and he just decided, like, I'm just going to keep going to the basket now. Like, that's what mm-hmm. I'm going to do, keep rolling to the rim. And it really worked out. And that's what, like, his adaptability to the circumstances is just remarkable. It's just, uh, especially for his age, he just has a 35-year-old player's brain into a 20-year-old's body. He knows exactly what to do uh, to remain in the game despite whatever physical thing is nagging him. I just can't stress enough how good the guy is at basketball. It's horrifying. It really is. It's... You know, there was a move in the third quarter. I wrote most of my recap, spent almost 200 words, I think, on one specific play in the third quarter where he had a high screen and roll with Porzingis. And he realized when he got, I don't know, probably 10 feet out that the lane was not totally clear, but that and that everybody was on shooters. Now, a lot of times this season he's taken a floater, but more and more he's been going to this incredible spin move that uses all the deceleration that we talked about pre-draft, like almost just the peak ability of his skills, and then shot this beautiful fadeaway jumper in the middle of the lane. Do you remember the play I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. And the other thing is it was well defended by Drew Holiday. Really well defended. He knew where he was going. Yeah, exactly. He knew exactly what he was doing, and it still didn't matter. It was a a Dirk-style fadeaway where he just had enough separation. It was undefendable. It was incredible. I'm I'm glad you brought up Dirk because I think that's what is so interesting is it took Dirk until he was closer to 30 to figure out these various post counter moves that he would have to figure out when guys doubled him, et cetera. Now, obviously the two don't play the same position or play the same way, but being able to have counters to counters is incredible. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure how you stop him other than really just beat the crap out of him. Like he he's, He's going to end up eventually in that Giannis Harden LeBron zone where he's going to the game lane 10 times a game. I mean, he's at nine right now, which is third in the league, but there's a clear path to him, you know, scoring even more free throws. I just, I don't, I don't know what to say. He's just outstanding. Yeah. I, I, so there were two plays that I saw that defined the game other than that one. Like I, I had three written down. Um, so there was this other player where he had this like very subtle look off. Uh, on a pick and roll where it looked sort of just like a very slight hesitation where JJ Redick bit. It looked like he was going to, you know, pass the ball over. I think they either Dodo or Tim Hardaway Jr. in the corner, but he ended up just finding KP on a, on a, on a roll of the rim. rim. For, yeah. I, yeah. That was incredible. Dunk. 
Cause and it was just this really subtle. It was all eyeballs. It was incredible. And he didn't do much at all. Didn't really use his body. And he had this just literally got a free dunk out of using his eyes differently than he used his body. It was incredible. Yeah, yeah. He was, and I, you know, we could kind of break down every play. He has, he had a uh, another oop. Like he had three or four incredible oops tonight. And one of them was yeah. to Maxi Kleber in the third quarter, where yeah. I, it was almost an over. It was almost like a hook shot of a pass. And the ball just sails right into his hands. Like that, that is one area where we haven't talked about it enough. And I'm probably not the right person to do it, but Luca's like uh, precision on his passing is a lot better than it was last year. He used to have, you know, some great vision to get the ball in the corner, but he wouldn't always place it in the pocket for the shooter to just catch and release. He's doing things now that are, you know, he's just so far ahead of the curve. This was what I thought peak Luca was going to be, only instead he's 20. So, yeah, we talked about it over the offseason. We're like, where can he get better generally? Um, you know, what, what are the things that helps him take the leap? And he has yeah. done the three things plus more. So, like, three things we're talking about were one, the passing is going to be a little bit better, a little bit sharper, especially on pick and roll, which is what he's done. Two, free throw shooting is going to get better. He hits all pretty much all of his free throws now. It's not even close. Three, he has to, you know, stop getting up in the air, getting lost, which is something that he just does not do anymore. He used to do that all the time. He just doesn't do it. And the other thing, the other thing I really want to bring up, by the way, is I think he might be underrated defensively now. There's this, there was this closeout on Kenrich Williams with about four minutes left in the third quarter, and he completely smothered this dude. And the, yes. he didn't foul him. There was just no time on the shot clock. He just got right up in his face. And this is the kind of this is the kind of player he should dominate defensively, like a big three or a small four. And he did. He's, it's still good to see that, like generally that that he can do this, but. This is what really will set him apart in the future because, you know, everyone, like everyone's case against him MVP-wise is like, oh, but they still play defense, don't they? But he's been very good defensively. He's been a really good player recently. Yeah, I, I it's it's really surprising. So there, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things we could also talk about that are good. You know, Boban was incredible. Yeah. Um, I really think, was. you know, J- Jalen Brunson is 13 of his last 14 from the field. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. just which is somehow a thing uh who else you know uh you know seth curry yeah, I, we should talk in. about bobon for we should talk about bobon for a second because sure, uh, that was the bobon game right you know i if if this is what that that gap in minutes in the second quarter without luca and sometimes without kp can look like where he comes in and he's just super efficient they get him, they get him the ball in the block against a smaller defender because everyone else in the league is a smaller defender. Um, everyone else on earth is a smaller defender, actually, against mm-hmm. Boban. Um, if, if he can go and do what he did today pretty consistently, uh, this team doesn't really have many holes in it. It doesn't have many gaps in the rotation. It's just, I was so impressed by him today. And I understand, look, it's Jaleel Okafor. He's like a notoriously bad defensive center. And this, this is the sort of uh, team you can play against with Boban and not really get killed for it. But God, he was amazing. He was so good. Six of seven from the field, fifteen points, sixteen rebounds. Can you ask of anything better than this guy? No, no. And yeah. you know the the pace of the game felt like it might change whenever Delon Wright exited with a injury, which I want to mm-hmm. circle back on later on. But you know the fact that the Mavericks have so many guys who are willing to just come in and accept their roles, and they all make these these interesting contributions. And the way the pace that Dallas is playing at really helps with that. You know. Justin Jackson kind of got off to a horrible start and yet he still ended up plus 18. He was cutting to the basket. Uh, You know, there's just so many guys that are doing little things right now. 
and you know we can still see clear paths to improvement. So this is this is just fun. It's fun. No, I'm I'm very impressed by where it's all going. Um, you know, I, we should probably say one bad thing. I mean, KP had probably the worst half he's played yet, which is saying something. Um, and yet and he's I'm, still a plus I'm, twenty-eight. Yeah, I know he's still <laughs> plus twenty-eight. That's what I keep saying is like I'm not really worried about this. It's like I, I guess like the problem today was that the defense was also bad. He was making weird decisions, like he mm-hmm. uh, he fouled JJ Redick on a four-point play, things like that. But it still, it really doesn't matter. His his presence defensively matters so much to this team. Um, just the thought process of having to deal with uh, a three guy, you know, in just in the corner of your mind. That's something that we always need on this team. So I'm not, I don't really care that he's like, if people think he's overpaid or whatever, um, I would like him to play better than he did today, but it's whatever. Who, who cares really? Right. Yeah. I mean, he's going to, I really think he's going to have a game where he scores 35 or 40 because he gets so yeah. many open looks at a certain point. They're just going to have to go down. Like he took three, three point attempts today and none of them went in and they were all great looks. And, and yeah. You know, in the second half, he really started moving. And that's what I, I want to see more from. And some of it's just, you know, figuring out how to play without the ball. But, you know, he got a great he, – he cut. I can't remember. It was probably another Luca pass. But he had a, a couple of just, like, stellar cuts right at the rim where if the, the ball handler can get him the ball, he's going to get fouled or score just about every time. Because, you know, yeah. his, he really seems to he, – he's in love with his own footwork which he's, you know, he has nice footwork, but the results, you know, proof's in the pudding with his shooting percentages. I don't really care what his footwork looks like if he can't get a decent shot off. The fact is he's seven foot three, and if you pass the ball to seven foot three guy on the move and put that ball up high, he's like, the defense can't do anything about that. He's, he is, is capable of so much. And the fact that they're, you know, 16 and six right now with him kind of playing, eh, you know, it's the ceiling. If they figure this out at all this year, I, I sincerely believe they're a Western Conference Finals contender. I, I I'm just my 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 confidence is growing with each game. Yeah, I've, I've adjusted my expectations accordingly. Um, I, I I think first of all, that Lakers game really changed how I view things, and I think it changed how the team views things too. Right? Mm-hmm. They were like, oh wait, are we are we really you know <laughs> are we beating this team without much effort? Right? Is that is that what's happening? Um, that was a they had a very good Luka game in that Lakers game. Everybody else played pretty good, and they won. That's and that that happens four times out of seven in the playoffs, and you're in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. Um, and I think it's something that we can we can really start to think about at this point. I understand we're rolling. It's not going to be like this all year. People are going to get hurt, like maybe Delon did today. But the 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 way this is trending is starting to feel like 2011. Knock on wood, man. But it really does start to feel that way, right? Where all these mishmash pieces come together, and you know, over the course of the night the best five remains on the floor. And uh, that's what happened in 2011. It could happen again this year. Yep. Yep. The only other bad thing, and I want to talk about it a little bit is what you just focused on is Delon Wright had what is referred to as an abductor injury. And Jeff Stotts yeah. of in street clothes essentially told me I'm looking for it on my own timeline. It's essentially kind of a groin injury. Uh, Carlisle's already ruled him, you know, basically says he's doubtful for tomorrow's game against the Kings. He is a very important cog. And, you know, despite the fact the Mavericks have three other ball handling guys in Curry, Berea, and Brunson available to step up, 
uh, Wright's ability to play defense and just is, is kind yeah. of like a water bug. And, you know, the ability to play him with multiple lineups is pretty important. I think they could weather it, you know, for, for a few games, but hopefully, you know, this isn't too long or too painful of an injury. You know, I, I, I'm not an NBA athlete, but I, you know, I've hurt my groin a few times and it's, it's a strange feeling. And you know, it, it strikes me as the kind of thing that can kind of hurt your confidence in, in your own ability to move. So, you know, hopefully the Maverick stellar training uh, staff can be on top of it. And hopefully it's not that serious of an injury. Yeah. His ability to sort of like nitpick defenses, especially bad defensive guards, get into the lane, draw fouls against bigs, finish around the rim, sort of spreads out the offense. Um, that That's really what was making that second unit click, especially I think that's once they started partnering here with Seth Curry, Seth Curry started getting it together, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because that's what the offense is, penetrate and kick. Um, so, look, it sucks, but we have the ability. We have a guy who's still pretty good, J.J. Beret, just hanging out on the bench for exactly this purpose. Um, let him take some time, let him figure it out, and I think we'll be in pretty good shape. Because he's walking around, right? Like he was, he was fine. He walked off the floor. He was okay. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, they knew in a hurry though, because he only played four minutes, and then they declared, you know, pretty quickly. Um, yeah. Okay, I think this is about it. We don't want to talk too much. I know for a fact that Josh wants to have you on his podcast at some point. Uh, so you need to get your takes together, your big picture thoughts, your ridiculous trade ideas, all the things that make you a wonderful guest on the uh, various Mavs Moneyball podcasts. Ben, I can't tell you how much I thank you for hopping on the phone. Thank you so much, man. All right, guys, we'll catch you out there. This has been Kirk Henderson with Mavs Moneyball After Dark and Ben Collins. Everybody have a good weekend.